It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. He's Jake Lisko. I'm James Rapine. We're with you each and every day here on Locked On Bengals. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Jake, we're loaded today. It's Mock Draft Wednesday. Hmm. Look at us getting creative since we had Callahan earlier this week. Uh, we switch our Mock Draft Monday to Mock Draft Wednesday, so we'll do that in segments two and three. But we're starting with a report that I had. You're making me toot my own horn to start the podcast, which naturally I love. I'm going to have to get a bigger hat because my head's growing just thinking about it. Um, the Bengals willing to tag Carl Lawson. League sources told me late on Monday night, early Tuesday morning. So if they don't agree to a, fran- uh, a long-term deal with Carl Lawson, they'll be willing to place the franchise tag on him. To me, this isn't a huge surprise. And as I was writing it, I was like, oh, well, this is – sort of expected, but I, I think it does give fans at least an idea that, yeah, Lawson's probably going to be in stripes in 2021. And I think we have heard numerous reports even leading up to this one, which kudos to you for for getting a report that I haven't seen anywhere else. Way to go. Um, <laughs> I, I have seen reported, though, that the Bengals' top priority in terms of bringing their own guys back is Carl Lawson, which makes you ask about William Jackson, and we'll get to that. But the obvious preference for me for Carl Lawson is let's get a long-term deal done because the franchise tag tends to alienate players more often than not. A lot of players will get the franchise tag. They'll be insulted by it. They'll feel like, you know, they didn't get the security they could have gotten if you just let them go to free agency in terms of getting a multi-year deal, which Carl Lawson would get 100% if he makes it to the open market. But the players agreed to the CBA too. And so, you know, he's subject to it. It's there for teams to keep the players they think are important to them. It'll be cheaper, though. The the big thing is it'll be cheaper in terms of the cap hit this year and the year that you need to minimize the cap hit. If they just find a way to get an extension done, they can make that cheaper. If they franchise tag him, and I think you point this out in your article on allbengals.com, it's a $15 million or so cap hit this year. Whereas if they extend them, they re-sign them, that could be maybe $10 million this year. You can manipulate it, right? And you can play with it and and get creative. But again, that's not creative. That's just being normal in the, the salary cap world in 2021. And yeah, that's the biggest downside to me. I have no problem franchise tagging Carl Lawson, not letting a 25-year-old hit the open market. But I would really prefer that they get a a long-term deal done because of that, because it's going to impact the cap. And depending on where the salary cap is, it could cost 15.7 to $16.3 million to franchise tag Lawson. So it's money well spent because he's worth it, but I'd much rather lock him up for the next four years, basically for the rest of his prime, and do it at a lower cap number in 2021. 
There are just a lot of really good reasons with Carl Lawson. You point out a lot of them, right? He's young. He's part of your core. If he walks, you have a massive glaring need to find a pass rusher, at least one, because he's really the only one they've got right now. There are salary cap reasons to do it. There are, you know, player relation reasons to do it. A whole lot of reasons to do it. It, it improves your ability to go out into free agency and play, be, be heavier players in that market as well. So many, many reasons to do it. And if they do want to use a franchise tag, James, I said we would come back to William Jackson. The William Jackson makes a lot more sense to me to franchise tag. I think you, you find a way to get it done with Carl Lawson. Whatever he asks for, you find a way to get it done. And the fact that they're struggling with this is a little bit concerning to me, actually, quite frankly, because to me, it, it should be a, a pretty easy deal to get done with Carl Lawson. I, I don't imagine he has insane demands. And, and what the, the stopping point for the Bengals in negotiations, what I'm guessing it is, has to do with how much upfront money he wants, how much cash he wants at the top part of the deal. And by that, I mean a signing bonus, which from a cap perspective is prorated. And if the Bengals are balking at that with Carl Lawson right now, and this is speculative, but it's what it's an educated guess, right? It's what I imagine is holding things up right now. Then that that does worry me a little bit when we start to talk about guys like Joe Tooney. But William Jackson is a franchise candidate. He he's much closer to 30. I think that they're they're not as happy with his play. But if he goes, just like with Carl Lawson, you have a big need at corner because I don't think Darius Phillips has yet proved that he's going to be reliable from from purely an injury perspective. If he'd never been injured in his career, I could, I could see the argument a little bit more. But by letting your good players walk on a bad defense, I've said this many, many times on this podcast, you're creating holes on your team. And that's the thing. I couldn't confirm the, the Jackson part of this. But if they do find a way to get a long-term deal done with Lawson, and maybe, by the way, this leaked to me because leaks happen for a reason. Maybe I got this because, and I'm not saying this is the case. This is just me speculating and kind of analyzing it from a distance. Because the Bengals are hoping to get a long-term deal done. And they're like, hey, Carl, we're tagging you regardless. You're not going anywhere, so let's try to get a deal done. Who knows? Maybe that's the case. But regardless, if they can get a long-term deal done with Lawson, then maybe you do tag Jackson. And maybe you don't trust him long-term, but he is 28. And adding him to that defense, keeping him around, it avoids creating another hole, which I is your point, and I think that's – Really the best point of all of them, because I don't think Jackson's a pro bowler. I don't think he's going to be an all pro next year, but he's good. And, and he's a solid piece on a defense that doesn't have many solid pieces. And if you're going to get better and take multiple strides forward, the last thing you want to do is lose your number one edge rusher or your number one corner, because it's going to be really, really hard to replace those guys and address all the other needs that you and I have talked about on this podcast. I do think, though, that we should prepare ourselves for the eventuality that William Jackson is not a Cincinnati Bengal next year. I don't think we've gotten strong indications from the team that he's part of their future plans. I haven't heard ringing endorsements from Lou Anarumo at any point. And all along, the whispers have been that we've heard. I mean, and I'm talking since Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo got to town, that they weren't as high on William Jackson as we were as fans. I will say one other thing, James. I do think he could be a pro bowler next year. He has the ability. He just has to kind of put it together. And that back half of the Lou Anarumo defense, 
also needs to put it together for an entire season, not just sporadically, not just here or there. In this, in this most recent season, they got better in the second half of the season. If they do it for a whole year, they all look better, right? And we'll see what impact Trey Waynes has. Well, I guess we'll, we'll see if we'll see what impact Trey Waynes has on <laughs> William Jackson if they're both playing together next year. The reason we're talking about this all today, of course, is one, James's report, and two, February 23rd, as we record this podcast, is the first day that teams can franchise tag players. The deadline, two weeks away, March 9th. That's how long the Bengals will have to decide if they're going to use a franchise tag on either of these guys. And I would use it on Jackson personally, but I don't think we've gotten any indication that that is part of the Cincinnati Bengals' plans. Coming up next, mock draft Wednesday? We're going to go through a couple (laughs) rounds on the mock draft machine of the draft network in just a minute. If you want to bet on the NFL draft, you can, and there's one spot to do it. Bet online. They have all the prop bets you could ask for, whether it's Jamar Chase going ahead of Devontae Smith. Maybe you like Penny Sewell going over Rashawn Slater. Maybe you want the easy money and really bad odds of Trevor Lawrence being the number one pick. You can do that, too, at betonline.ag. Plus, NBA, college basketball, NHL, all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. So go there right now on your laptop or mobile device, betonline.ag. Sign up today and make sure you use promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, betonline.ag, promo code locked on, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, it's not Monday, but let's pretend it is for the good part of Monday. Mock Draft Monday happening on a Wednesday this week. We are on the clock on the Mock Draft Simulator over at thedraftnetwork.com. And the first three picks, I think, are a really good guess for how the first three picks could go when the draft comes around. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Zach Wilson, number two. Penny Sewell, number three. Justin Fields, number four. I think that the only one of these that there's like a significant chance for this to swing one way or another could be that number three spot where I can see Miami taking Sewell. I can see them taking Jamar Chase. I can see them taking Devontae Smith there to reunite him with Tua Tungo-Vailoa. Even Jalen Waddell, I think, is is one of their options there. Anything else might surprise me a little bit. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm looking hard at these quarterbacks. But I'm not the Dolphins, and NFL teams typically don't pull their quarterbacks after one year, especially when they didn't get time. Like, Tua didn't get much time, and especially when they're as young as Tua. But, James, this leaves us in a Pretty interesting position here where the very easy choice is, especially after our conversation yesterday with Anthony, take Jamar Chase and enjoy the rest of your Thursday night because obviously in in April, the draft will start on Thursday. 
the thing to consider here is we have a couple trade offers that I think are interesting. And so that's what I want to discuss. The Philadelphia Eagles, who are just one pick behind of behind the Cincinnati Bengals, have offered a third round pick in addition to their first round pick to come up one spot. Is that something that tempts you here? I mean, who is Philly really coming up for? Maybe it's a quarterback. Maybe it's a Trey Lance, right? Or maybe they want Jamar Chase. And and they're saying, hey, here's here's some candy. We'll give you a third round pick. But we get the wide receiver that we have higher on our board in Jamar Chase. And you have to settle for, you know, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, whoever's left. It's risky. And it, it's scary because you're like, oh, free third round pick. You're only dropping down one spot. There's no way. Well, hell, if the Eagles get this right and chases the next A.J. Green or Julio Jones or Antonio Brown with Pittsburgh, then it was a, a steal for the the sixth pick in the 70th, 70th overall selection. So I'm a little leery of this, and I would probably just take Chase, but it is damn, damn tempting because if Chase falls to six, and it is for any of these other guys, a Trey Lance, a Mac Jones who was in the news earlier this week about going top eight, which uh, I would still be shocked if that's the case, then, you know, you you look like a genius because you still get your guy. But it is a risk. And uh, it's up to you, Jake. Do do you want to make this risk, take this risk? I'll leave it up to you here. I don't want to take this risk, although I do think Jalen Waddle will be very, very good as a pro, and it might be worth picking up an extra third-round pick when you can still get Devontae Smith, who I think will be good as a rookie. You look at how Justin Jefferson played, Honestly, with those pictures of those three guys beside each other, I don't know if you saw that on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Justin Jefferson doesn't look much bigger than Devonte Smith. I know Devonta's wearing like a, a baggier shirt, but they don't look that differently built. But Jamar Chase, the, the conversation we had with Anthony yesterday just moved it over the finish line for me. I was leaning that way to be honest, just because we all saw what Chase did with Burrow. We've all watched a lot of Jamar Chase. And when they drafted Burrow, we all fantasized about a year later, somehow them landing Jamar Chase. But the conversation about putting him in the Julio category as a wide receiver prospect, and obviously he doesn't have that size, but just he has all the traits. You watch his tape, you try to pick apart a flaw, you find that, oh, he might need to get better at route running. But he gets so much easy separation anyway with his athleticism. And even if he doesn't get that separation, like on all those back shoulder balls that Joe Burrow loved to throw to him, then he's still winning at the catch point. So a lot to really like about Jamar Chase. He's a guy that at LSU dominated on the sideline. That's something that the Bengals need to get better at. I'm looking right now at all of his targets from 2019 on the PFF draft guide a lot of sideline targets there. That's really appealing to me because I think that's a part of the game that the Bengals need to fix. You you fix your perimeter vertical game in a big way with Jamar Chase. And I think the thing that some people are saying because Waddle's so fast and Smith looked like that, you know, deep threat for Alabama, especially when Waddle went down is that all oh, Chase can't be that field stretcher. He doesn't have the speed, that part of it, the speed part. Man, he's damn fast. He can fly, and he's more physical than those guys. And to me, he's just more complete. He's a guy that can take a you know a seven-yard slant and break three tackles and shed a linebacker and turn it into a big play, but he can also win downfield. 
and he's extremely quick in and out of his breaks. And and I think that stands out to me. You, you can't go wrong with him. And that's the thing in this mock, obviously Sewell isn't there, but we always talk about Sewell chase. A lot of people have crowned Sewell this generational talent. And I think people are starting to realize that chase might be, or is in that conversation too. And if you're talking about pairing an elite quarterback with an elite wide receiver, after years, literally seven years of watching an average to slightly above average quarterback in Andy Dalton, depending on the year, throw to an elite wide receiver and complaining about average quarterback, I think you you got to really think about what it could be like to watch an elite quarterback throw to an elite wide receiver for the next decade. And the Bengals might have that chance if Chase is there at number five. You talk about elite, man. You look at their numbers at LSU together. On beat passes to Jamar Chase. Just listen to how insane this line is. 24 of 36 on targets 20 plus yards downfield, which is insane for deep passes. Absolutely insane for deep passes. 14 touchdowns on those passes. Jamar Chase had one drop. That was a passer rating of 137.7 for Joe Burrow on those targets. His receiving grade from PFF on those targets on those deep balls. One off of perfect, 99. And I'm sure that would be 100 if he hadn't dropped the one. That's insane. <laughs> a 99. <laughs> that's uh, that's amazing in Madden, right? It's also amazing in PFF grading. And uh, th- I mean, that's what you're at. You're adding a wide receiver one. And I get it. Boyd's really, really good. And T. Higgins is really, really good. But Chase is the guy I think that it is really would scare opponents Probably right away in the AFC North, scaring, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick and having to take notice of where Chase is at all times and Marlon Humphrey and insert whoever you want, Denzel Ward and whoever else they they play next year. I think you would have to take note of Chase. And again, you have those three guys with Burrow. It's exactly how you set up your quarterback for success. And if you want to argue Devonta Smith versus Jamar Chase, I mean, the the production that Chase had at LSU with Burrow blows away Devonta Smith's Heisman winning season in terms of deep ball production specifically. Just the chemistry. It's just so easy. Jamar Chase is the pick. We'll be back for rounds two and three in just a minute. Chase might be the pick in the NFL draft for the Bengals and Bilt Bar, certainly the pick here on Locked On Bengals. We talk about it all the time. It's the number one protein bar on the planet. They come in 18 amazing flavors whether it's a camel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, my personal favorite, mint brownie. Plus, you got the double chocolate, coconut, peanut butter brownie. There's something for everyone, and the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And the best part, it isn't their amazing taste. It's the macros. They're going to help you get to your fitness goals because they're high in protein, they're low in sugar, they're perfect for you. Check them out right now. BuiltBar.com. Check out all 18 of their amazing flavors and be sure to use promo code locked on at checkout. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Two more rounds of Mock Draft Monday on Wednesday coming your way here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And we're on the clock, James, picking for the Bengals in the second round. Pick 38, Tommy Tremble has just been picked by the Philadelphia Eagles. The very athletic, but let's just call him a projection at tight end. Uh, That's a little bit early for Tremble, but we have some really nice choices here. And the way the Bengals go with this pick, I think depends a lot on what happens in free agency. It's very possible that the Bengals still need a guard or tackle at this point. And if that's the case, you're picking between guys like Liam Eikenberg, Tevin Jenkins, Sam Cosme, or even Alex Leatherwood. All of those guys still available. All of those guys likely can play at least a little bit of tackle in the NFL. I think the one that has the biggest questions in terms of length to stand up on the perimeter is Tevin Jenkins. Liam Eikenberg also has some questions generally in his profile. Not as athletic as some of these guys, but Notre Dame generally produces Pretty polished offensive tackles, and I think that he's another one of those where he can step in and kind of be an okay right tackle from the start. If they don't go tackle, though, if they have somehow adequately addressed offensive line, they've they've signed, say, Daryl Williams and Joe Tooney, and, and now you feel like that offensive line is, is average, it's functional. Then you start looking at some of the other players available here, And to me, Tommy Togai stands out as a name that I really like as a very athletic 300-pound defensive tackle. J.C. Horn from South Carolina, a cornerback who could go in the first round. Levi Onzeriki, who we've talked about in the past, is there if you want another kind of defensive tackle, probably a little bit more three-tech penetration in his game versus Tommy Togai as a very athletic nose tackle kind of player in an undersized body kind of profiles as a 3-4 defensive end more than a 3-tech. And the other guys that I would talk about here would be a couple of the corners. Ife Melifonwu from Syracuse, the really long guy who made a name for himself down at the Senior Bowl. And Greg Newsom from Northwestern, the last name that stands out to me here that I'll talk about before I let you talk, James. Very fluid athlete at corner from Northwestern. Didn't get beat a lot on reaction. And, and that's what I really like about his game very quick change of direction, very good hips to to flip and run downfield with wide receivers. I think that he is a little bit underrated on the board we're looking at, but you're starting to see him creep into the first, second fringe on a lot of the experts boards around the world. And I don't see that necessarily being a, something that I would disagree with. And one guy you didn't mention, Christian Barmore out of Alabama, the defensive lineman, he's still on the board. That's a bit surprising. And if he's there, we've already done this where we've picked him at 38 but certainly a guy that that I think would uh would pique the the Bengals interest a lot if he's there in the second round to me if they go chase in round 1 this is the spot to take an offensive tackle i, I just from a value standpoint i think some of the edge rushers are still potentially going to be there and hopefully they've re-signed William Jackson III, so we're not thinking that corner is such a huge, huge need, because if it is, then maybe you go corner here. But to me, you know, and heck, you're, you pulled it up with, with J.C. Horn here in front of us. 
I've seen him go in first rounds in a lot of mocks. And so if he's there, the Bengals, even if they do keep William Jackson the third, might be tempted to take a guy like Horn. But to me, I just I, I keep leaning offensive tackle, and maybe we shouldn't. Uh, but but that's where I would lean in this in this draft. But we could go with a guy like Horn just to see what's going to be there in round three, because who knows? There could be a uh, pretty quality offensive tackle still there in round three, and we can kind of show the people that they can address tackle and do it without the fifth pick and still be in a pretty good spot. I just think this is where you really hope that they've addressed the offensive line enough that they can just go BPA here. Because mm-hmm. if there is a guy that's fallen that they really like, like a Christian Barmore, who we're not going to take this week because we, I think we did it quite recently, or J.C. Horn at corner, or Levi Onzariki at three-tech to get that pass rusher that they could use Instead here, we're still thinking offensive line because they've done nothing there yet, right? And so we're still thinking, oh, Sam Cosme. I can get a really athletic tackle who has room to grow from a technique perspective. We'll entrust him in the technically good teaching or or the, the skilled technique teacher in Frank Pollock. So for me, looking at the tackles available here, you could talk about Sam Cosme. You could talk about Alex Leatherwood. Uh, I certainly think Tevin Jenkins gets some consideration, but for me at Sam Cosme here, I've been partial to him for a couple of years now. And if we're going offensive tackle, I would go Sam Cosme. I agree with you. I, and, and that's the route I would go. Let's just say they did uh, address offensive line. D- does it hurt to have a guy like Cosme in the pipeline, almost a uh, a backup for, for Jonah Williams if you need him, right? And a guy that could potentially step in. Uh, Williams has only played in 10 games, so I like that aspect of it. And if it's not him for me, it's Horn. But yeah, let's uh, let's go with Cosme and think about that. If the Bengals can take Chase, the number one wide receiver in the draft, get a tackle like Cosme, who could be a day one starter if you need him to be, you feel pretty damn good about what they've done in the draft to help Joe Burrow. You do feel good about what you've done for Joe Burrow. So when you come up in the third round, which we just have, and you look at the best players available and they're probably on the defensive side of the ball, you don't feel so bad about it. You, you've found the weapon, the premier weapon of the draft, unless you want to argue that's Kyle Pitts. And, and I'm not going to argue that hard with you if you want to. And you, you've got an offensive lineman that should be able to step in and start right away and be a long-term starter for you. Samuel Cosme, years of good production and solid improvement at Texas over his collegiate career. Now you can look at the defensive side of the ball. And we've honestly got a bit of an embarrassment of riches here to choose from. Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State, if they want to go the corner route. Hamilcar Rashad Jr., the edge rusher from Oregon State. Carlos Basham is here again for us to pick in the third round. If we so choose, Joe Tryon, the edge rusher from Washington available. So quite a bit to choose from here personally if for me Asante Samuel Jr. is there at this point in the draft in the third round uh, I'm probably going Asante Samuel Jr. but I think that some of these edge rushers have a really strong argument as well and I think it might come down to free agency here right because if William Jackson the third walks do they do anything to replace him in free agency do they go out and get a cornerback that you feel pretty good about starting opposite Trey Waynes, do they fill that role or is that a need? Because if so, Asante Samuel Jr., you bring him in and maybe you bring him in anyway. But if the the Bengals have kept Carl Lawson and then they go out and sign a mid-tier veteran edge rusher and they've addressed edge 
and they look at it and say, well, maybe there'll be another edge that we really, really like in the next round. Then you go with a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. So th- that's the tough part, right? The free agency aspect of it. But this is playing out really in the Bengals' favor. You take the weapon, then you, you go with offensive line, and then you're here in round three. And two of potentially your biggest needs that you haven't addressed yet, corner and edge, well, there are top players available in both. So you feel good. I, I think value is really important in the draft and where you get guys. And I, I think right here, whoever you're getting can contribute. So, yeah, Asante Samuel Jr., sign me up. And uh, if not a guy like uh, like Basham, I mean, he's – the Bengals have, have done really well with Ed Rusher's, Ed Rusher's name Carlos, right? So why not go, go bring in another one, the kid from Wake Forest? And they've also done a good job of, of finding some guys that fall at that position. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what I think we would be seeing here with Carlos Basham. I mean, you could even talk a little bit about Ronnie Perkins, who earlier we talked about Tevin Jenkins. And the reason that we didn't pick Tevin Jenkins, who some people think is a better player than Sam Cosby, at least right now, is because I think he, he has short arms. And, you know, yell at me all you want about Jonah Williams and all these tackles in the NFL that have had short arms. But you go find the clip of Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma getting a long arm into Tevin Jenkins' chest, and Jenkins can't get that arm off him. He can't get any punch on Ronnie Perkins because he's just too far away. And, and so when I see something like that and I think about that protecting Joe Burrow on the right side, I think, well, I'm sure Sam Cosby loses too, and he does. He, he has some bad reps against the LSU defensive edge who got drafted last year. Caleb on chase on uh, he has some really bad reps against him, but I take the bet on the guy that's more athletic and has a better build for tackle. At least I think has a better build for tackle. The other guys that we should talk about here, James, I think Walker little and Josh Myers, the top two offensive linemen available here, just in case people are wondering if you got to this point in the draft and you still need an offensive lineman, Josh Myers, interior offensive line from Ohio state, I know how people feel about Ohio State offensive linemen, a guy that probably deserves your individual attention instead of you making your preconceived Ohio State offensive lineman judgments. And Walker (laughs) Little is a guy that has major question marks. If he had never been hurt, you might be talking about him at the top of round one. But because of injuries, because there's not a lot of tape on him, it's really hard to know where he's at, how he's developed, if he's ready to play in the NFL. And so... With the fact that we've already drafted a tackle, I'm going Asante Samuel Jr. here. Do you do you co-sign that pick, James? I do, and I, I agree with you that Walker Little, Little would be really, really tempting, especially if you hadn't taken an offensive line. You know, if you go with J.C. Horn in round two, then I think Walker Little might be the pick there. Um, but instead, you're, you're able to get your your corner, and I feel really good about this, Mark. I think they've done uh, – They've done a good job. If this plays out this way on draft day in April, you're feeling really good about the first two days of the draft. And I think regardless of what they do in free agency, this looks really good to me. They're all good players. They're all good value. They're all good positions. And it feels really good. This is something I wanted to mention earlier that I don't even have to look at linebacker right now. I don't think they're going to invest resources there. I don't want them to invest resources there unless it's like, you know, Micah Parsons in the second round right? Like that kind of insanity happening. But outside of that, it feels good to look at positions that I value highly, like wide receiver, corner, offensive tackle, edge rusher, three technique, 
So that's exciting for me as as part of this draft. So Jamar Chase, Sam Cosme, Asante Samuel Jr., 100% sign me up. This would get an A from me if this happened on the first two days of the draft. Let us know what you think. Tag us at Lockdown Bengals. Give us some feedback about this mock draft. What would you have done differently? Tomorrow, we're back with Doug Farrar from USA Today Sports. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the Bengals' defense. He was watching some tape, and he was watching about William Jackson, actually, and had some questions or concerns about the defensive scheme. We'll get the detail from him then. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.